Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. You know, I got a question for you. What if everything that is said about Jesus, what if all the prophecies that have been fulfilled, all the miracles that are talked about, what if everything that he taught and everything that he did was actually true? Could we prove it? Could we actually demonstrate that that's fact, not fiction? Man, this idea of proving Jesus to be who he said he was is something that we're going to be talking about at Branch Life Church. We're starting a brand new series next week. We're starting it online, so it's an online series anybody can be a part of called Prove It. And it's going to take us through the next five or six Sundays together. We don't know how long we're going to be meeting together online, but we want to encourage you to jump in and stay tuned, like our Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel, so that you can be a part of this series. We're going to be launching uh, some pre-series material just this next week as we build up to next Sunday. And the next Sunday at 5 p.m., we're going to jump into part one of our Prove It series. This Prove It series is going to be happening through the end of this month and through the beginning of next month, which, believe it or not, is already Easter. So Branch Life here in Pottstown, we're planning to get together three times Easter Sunday morning at Pewtown Church just down the road. We're a Sunday night only church when we're here in town, but in, uh, on Easter Sunday, we're going to be meeting in the morning if we're allowed to gather. If not, we'll broadcast things online then too, and we'll talk about how can we prove that Jesus rose from the dead. So at the beginning of the live stream, I mentioned that we're going to want you to interact and to be a regular part of uh, what we are doing through this live stream experience, more than just sitting there and soaking it in, but actually being involved as you, as you uh, track with us. So here's what I would like you to do. If you've got kiddos in the room, I need you to send them on a mission. Everybody in the house needs two Band-Aids. You need to get two Band-Aids. So I have my two Band-Aids right here. I preloaded them. So now what we need you to do is go get two Band-Aids for each person. So somebody go rummage through the junk drawer, go to the first aid kit, get to the medicine cabinet, and bring back those Band-Aids. They can be superhero Band-Aids. They can be Snoopy Band-Aids. They can be regular old brown Band-Aids. It doesn't matter. You just need two Band-Aids per person. Why? Why do you need two Band-Aids? Well, you have to stay to the end of the live stream to find out. So grab those two Band-Aids. Whoever the Band-Aid fetcher is, make sure that everybody gets two of them. So one, two, three, go get your Band-Aids. While you're getting the Band-Aids, if you uh, are a regular part of Branch Life and you make uh, giving to the Lord your practice as a part of worship here We want to thank you for giving. We want to thank you for giving if you give today, particularly in a time of question marks, um, when the stock market's going up and going down and going up and going down, when we're not sure what's going to be affected by business. But I know that this is true. You can't outgive God. And if you choose to give to the Lord through Branch Life Church, thank you for being a part of what God is doing. We're a baby church plant that's just 10 months old, and we're real excited about the future and what God has for us, and thank you to those who give on a regular basis. I also want to encourage you to think about maybe ways you can give to others over this next week. 
maybe, maybe your gift to God is something that you give by helping a neighbor, by helping uh, some kids that don't have school lunches this next week, by, by going and participating and caring for someone who's elderly in your neighborhood. And if, if you need to take those financial gifts and use them in that way this week, that also is a way to give to God. And God is honored by that. So be generous in your giving, and thank you for those that participate in giving through Branch Life, and let's look for ways that we can be generous to our neighbors and our communities in the name of God. We want to jump into our series, and hopefully you're collecting your Band-Aids, and if you're getting your Band-Aids, you're going to say, all right, I'm starting to see a connection here. This is our very last series at Branch Life Church in our broken study. And we've been looking through the book of 1 Corinthians, and this is the end. Now, series finales are special for us here at Branch Life, and so we're excited about what, uh, what we're going to learn as we wrap up this series. But the tagline connected to this is hope and healing for a broken world. When I was three years old, my sister, Jamie, yeah, I'm going to name names, she was, she was playing games, and uh, I was jumping on her bed, and she said, Josh, I remember I was three, she was like seven or eight, jump off the bed and I'll catch you. And so I trusted my sister. I believed that she would catch me if I jumped off the bed. So I jumped off the bed and she did not catch me. Nope, missed. I landed hard on the ground. My leg hurt. It kind of hurt at the top and it kind of hurt in the bottom. And I sort of didn't want to walk on it. And I was crying, but I was three. He's just a little kid. Like, of course it's going to hurt. Who thought anything was wrong? Three days later, my parents took me to the doctor because I had a cold. And they said, oh, by the way, he's not walking on his legs. And yeah, I had broken my leg in two places from jumping off the bed. That's the first time I realized that things can break. Things can break. They can be broken and they can get out of place and they can get messed up and out of whack. And it happened to me. And as a result, my hips are out of line because my legs didn't grow exactly right. When I broke my leg in two places when I was three years old, I have a broken body. When I was a teenager, I was faced with brokenness in a deeper way. One of the people that I love the most in this world, my grandmother, I called her Grammy. I sat with her in church and we got together all that. She would take me for McDonald's breakfast, which is still literally my favorite place to have breakfast in the entire world because it's what I did with my Grammy. We found out that my Grammy was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And man, that was one of the hardest things that I've ever gone through. To have the person that you love the most forget your name. Forget who you are over a period of time. That was the time that not only did I realize we're broken, but I started wrestling with God. I mean, what kind of God would let a sweet old lady get Alzheimer's and forget her own grandkids? I mean, if God could fix it, why didn't he? Does God even care? Does God even exist? And brokenness made me question God. I was faced with brokenness. You know, through that journey and through others, this truth that we are all broken is something that you probably know, no matter what your faith is. You know that we have broken bodies, we deal with diseases that we struggle with, our thinking sometimes isn't straight. You know that we live in a broken world with broken cultures and broken communities. We, you know that brokenness is a regular part of what's happening in Exhibit A, COVID-19. Our world is broken. So where do we go for healing? Where do we go for help? If there is a God, 
Why isn't he fixing this? Does he not care? Is God even real? The book of 1 Corinthians was written to bring hope and healing to the broken, to your broken thinking, to your broken bodies, to this broken world. Some of the things that we've looked at over the course of the last two months as we studied the book of 1 Corinthians together was that there is hope and healing for all of these topics. Every one of these is touched in some way in the discussion found in 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians is a book written by a broken man to a broken church in a broken city in a broken world. And he talks about broken marriages. He talks about broken morals, broken minds, broken faith and religion, broken cities, broken addiction, broken families, and broken love. And the book gives us answers to all of these things. He tells us where we can find hope and where we can go for healing. And today, as we land in the final part of this book, we are given the answer for hope. We are given the way to find healing. And I'm excited for you to see this. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, one of the most powerful chapters in all of Scripture. Man, if you, have, if you don't have a Bible, you can go to the Bible, version Bible app. You can open that up. You can jump to the ESV Bible online on a webpage, or you can grab your written copy. But when you get a chance to open your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and read this thing. Try to understand this thing, because this is a message that brings hope and healing to everyone and to our entire world. Now, let me just sum up the entire chapter for you real quick with these three phrases. This is, this is the breakdown of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First, it's going to tell us that brokenness has been defeated. So there's an element of something that's already happened that's broken, that's defeated brokenness. It's, it's happened in the past. Then it's going to talk about brokenness is being disrupted. Even though brokenness was defeated in the past, brokenness is still present, but it's being disrupted. There's hope for dealing with present brokenness. And then it's gonna point to this truth that brokenness will be destroyed. There will be a day where there will be no more brokenness. And that sounds unbelievable, so stay tuned for that. If you have your Bibles and we're in 1 Corinthians chapter one, let me just read for you the first verse. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel which I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believe in vain. Now, the writer of 1 Corinthians is a guy named Paul, super broken. We're gonna talk about him in a little bit. He's writing to a bunch of Christians, a church that was super broken. They were having all kinds of problems and so they said, Paul, help us. And so he came to help them and he talks through all of these problems. He talks through all of these issues. They were divided. They were hurting. They were messing up with the choices that they made. And he's going to sum everything up. He's going to say, I need to remind you of something. I want you to think about the gospel. I want you to think about something that has already happened. You see, Paul's pointing out to these people, brokenness has already been defeated. It's already been defeated. Game's over. Victory's won. And it's been defeated through the cross of Jesus. So here's the first point that he's going to make. He's going to say, look back to the cross for hope. Look back to the cross for hope. Are you dealing with brokenness of some kind? 
Are you dealing with some sort of pain, some sort of hurt, some sort of anxiety? Is there friction in your life? Is there a place where you need a Band-Aid, where you need healing? Have you lost hope for that marriage? Have you lost hope for that relationship? Have you lost hope that you're ever going to be able to get back on your financial footing again? If that's you, Paul says, I need you to look back for hope. I need you to look backwards to find hope in the cross of Jesus. And here's, here's what we mean by that. The gospel gives hope to broken people. The gospel gives hope to broken people. Now, gospel simply means that there is some good news out there for broken people. And there is a good news gospel that gives you hope no matter how broken you find the situation you're in, no matter how broken you are, no matter how bad that diagnosis is. There's hope, and it's found in the gospel. Now, here's what he says. We read a little bit already from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. I remind you, brothers, this is something, if you're a Christian, you already know. If you're not a Christian, you've probably heard this before. Jesus died on the cross. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, the good news I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Super cool discussion about that line. If you hold fast to the word that I've preached to you, unless you believe in vain. And he goes on to say this. For I delivered to you that of which is first importance. Let's just stop for a second. If you're really, really, really sick, and the doctors come in and say, hey, you're really, really, really sick, and what I need you to do is have surgery so that you can be fixed, right? You'd be like, that's the most important thing. Surgery is the most important thing. Now, Paul's going to say, no, that's important, but what's of first importance is the gospel, your marriage is falling apart and, and you're, you're struggling and wrestling and, and you, you need to figure out how to get it fixed and he's going one way and you're going the other way and you're like, we need to better communication. That, that's of first importance that we heal this. That's important, but what's most important is the gospel. Paul's gonna remind every Christian everywhere that no matter what you're dealing with, even if it's a worldwide pandemic, the most important thing, the first thing that is the most important thing is the good news of the gospel. It's of first importance. So he's wrapping it up with this. What I also received, here it is. Here's the good news. That Christ died for our sins. Why are we broken? Why, why, why did my sister not catch me? Why did my grandmother get Alzheimer's? Why do marriages fall apart? Why do people get tangled up in addiction? Because of sin. Because of sin. Sin has broken our world. Sin has come in and it's gotten into every nook and cranny of creation. And it's damaged us. Not that it's your sin that has caused someone else's Alzheimer's, but the fact that sin is here breaks us. The good news is that Jesus died for that sin. God himself provided a way to defeat sin. Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. And here's the big deal about that. Then he was raised on the third day accordance with the scriptures. So if you have a beef with Jesus saying the reason we're broken is because of sin, you need to go back to this thought. If he rose from the dead, 
if he was actually buried and he actually rose from the dead, then I've got to take everything he said seriously. And Jesus said, we're broken because of sin. Jesus said, my body's broken because of sin. Our world is broken because of sin. And when he rose from the dead, his teaching then has power. His teaching then must be true because he conquered this thing called death. So much so that it goes on in 1 Corinthians 15, 19 to say this. If Christ, if in Christ we have hope, all right, if he rose from the dead, then I've got hope. If some guy can come back from the grave, then what I'm dealing with can be dealt with, right? I've got hope for it. But if it's just hope that's in vain in this life only, then we're to be pitied. If I believe in Christ and he never actually rose from the dead, then it's foolishness. But here's the thing. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Christ has been raised. Now, if Christ has been raised from the dead, you do have hope. You have hope. Sin Death has been defeated. Brokenness has been defeated. It's been, it's been won. The battle is over. Jesus conquered the ultimate enemy that we're all going to face. If he rose from the dead, we have got to pay attention to Jesus. If he rose from the dead, we have hope in Jesus. If he rose from the dead, we have healing in Jesus. So how do we know he rose from the dead? Paul tells us, Jesus appeared to, to, I don't know how to say it, to Cephas, Cephas, there it is. Jesus appeared to Cephas. All right, so he was here, he walked, he taught, he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. How do we prove it? We're going to talk more about that in our next series, but how do we prove it? How do you prove a case in the court of law? How do you know that that murderer is guilty? How do you know that that criminal, that thief was, was guilty? Well, if there's eyewitnesses, if there's people there that can vouch for it, man, that's what evidence we need. And Cephas was there, man. Cephas saw Jesus alive, but not just Cephas. Then he appeared to the 12. That's the 12 disciples, the people in the, in the Last Supper painting. They saw him die. They saw he was buried. Then he came and they saw him after he was dead, that he was alive again. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers. 500 brothers, add men, women, and children. You could be up to 1,500 people. Then, then most of those guys, at, when this was being written, they were still alive. They were still walking around. I saw Jesus alive, and some have, had fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. James is amazing because it's Jesus' brother. It's his half-brother. And James and Jesus, they grew up together. And James did not believe that Jesus was God. Who would believe that their brother was God, Right? Until he saw him alive after he was dead, and then James became a follower of Jesus. Then James gave his life to Jesus. Then James died for Jesus because he saw him alive, because he had hope in the resurrection. Then to all the apostles, that was all of the followers that were with Jesus when he died. And last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul says that I saw him. I saw him alive. Now, Paul is unique because he saw Jesus even after he ascended. Jesus came and appeared to Paul when he was on a road to Damascus. And Jesus saw, Paul saw Jesus face to face after he had died, after he had gone to heaven. And Paul was absolutely convinced that there was hope in the resurrection. That's why Paul did everything that he did 
in the name of Jesus. That's why Paul changed the world, because he himself saw Jesus. He's testifying, I'm an eyewitness, I've seen Jesus alive, and the resurrection gives me hope. Listen, wherever you are, wherever you're, you're listening from, whatever state you're in, whatever country you're a part of, do you believe that Jesus died and rose again from the dead? Do you look back and are you reminded of the gospel? Do you have your hope in the resurrection of Jesus or are you hoping in something else? Are you just kind of hoping that in the end it's going to be okay and maybe you did more good things than bad things? Maybe whatever the afterlife is like, you're going to take your chances and that, that yours will work out. Maybe you'll be reincarnated to something. Maybe there's nothing. Maybe there's something. Listen, I want to give you hope today. Jesus came, he died on the cross, he rose again from the dead, and you need to put your hope in the resurrection of Jesus. The Bible says that if you confess your sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you believe in the name of Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you become a follower of Jesus, you will be born again. Have you ever done that? Tonight, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're watching from, if this is a, you're watching the live broadcast or the rebroadcast, you can put your faith in Jesus. Just simply talk to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I want to follow you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You can be born again and your life can be anew and you can become a follower of Jesus, living a new life for him. I want to invite you to that. If you have more questions about how to receive Christ, you can go to branchlife.church and let us know if you have any questions or if you've made a decision for faith, you can respond in that gospel tab, tab and we'll get you information. We'll talk to you if you'd like us to do that. But if you have any questions or if you want to accept Jesus, take a moment right now and say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe Jesus came and died on the cross for me. I put my hope in the resurrection of Christ. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And then you will be saved. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So if we are saved, if we do have our hope in the resurrection, well, what do we do? It says in verse 1 and 2, number 1, receive the gospel. That's what we just talked about. I received the gospel when I was a young man. Maybe you received the gospel just now. Maybe you've received the gospel at some point in the past. But... What do we do about the resurrection? We receive the gospel. And then two, we stand in the gospel. We stand in this hope. We stand in this truth that I believe in a God that has victory over death and I don't have to be thrown over. Then we know that we are being saved by the gospel. That I am a follower of Jesus and I'm following him and I'm doing what he wants me to do. A lot of people think, you know, if I just say some prayer and I can go live my life the way I want to live it, then I'm saved. No, that's, that's not how it works. Yes, we are saved through faith, but our faith turns into action. You are saved when you become a follower of Jesus. That means you do the things he does. So we are being saved when we constantly choose to follow Jesus in our lives. No, we're not going to be perfect. Yes, we're going to sin. But that's when we go back to Christ and say, hey, forgive me. And then we hold fast to the gospel. Man, if you have been shaken over the last week's events, it's like the beginning of every outbreak movie ever, right? It was a little blip on the news three weeks ago and like the third or fifth story. And then it was the second story. Then it was the first story. Now it's the only story. And the little red dot spread out from China and now it's like gone across the whole world. And I don't know what to do. Hey, 
Hold fast in the gospel. Our God is bigger than. Hold fast to the gospel. So, J.D. Greer says this, a pastor at Summit Church. He says, the gospel isn't the diving board. It's not where we start. The gospel is the pool. The gospel is the thing that we live our life by. So, hey, are you all in? Have you dove into the goodness of the gospel? Now, the chapter goes on, and we're going to end pretty quickly here in this discussion. But the second thing he says is, brokenness is being disrupted. So yeah, it's been defeated, but what about now? I'm hurt now. I'm broken now. I'm worried now. He says, listen, I live, live by grace for healing. If you need healing, you need grace. Live by grace for healing because God's grace gives healing to broken people. God's grace gives healing to broken people. And who knew this better than Paul? You know, Paul's story, the broken man that was sent to this broken church, is that he was a murderer. He hunted Christians down. He was, he was strict. He was legalistic. He was someone that hurt other people with his life and in the name of his faith. He was an awful person by his own testament, the worst of the worst. Yet, God appeared to him. And here's what Paul says. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God but by the grace of God I am what I am and by his grace towards me it was not in vain on the contrary I work harder than any of them though it was not I but the grace of God that is with me see Paul deserved punishment and death Paul deserved any badness that came his way all all of us do we're all started out as sinners we deserve what we get but by the grace of God, Paul was transformed. One of my favorite teachers, Kerry Newmoff, says this. He says, God's favorite people are broken ones. Because broken people have come to the end of themselves, and they've learned that there was not much there in the first place. Paul, God loves to use broken people. God loves to transform broken people. No matter how bad you think you've been, no matter what you think you've done that's disqualified you from the love of God or for the love of any other person, no matter how far off the trail you have strayed, God loves you. God loves broken you. God loves addicted you. God loves the mean you. God loves you. And God wants to transform your life. He wants to pour out his grace on you and transform you into something that can be used for healing that can be used to provide hope. Your story can be the story of transformation. One of the most famous songs in all the world is the song Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. The man who wrote those words was a slave trader. He was a slave trader. How low can you get? How broken can you be? How awful can your profession be if you're a slave trader? Yet, he realized because of his hope in the resurrection that he was broken and God's grace covered his life and transformed him and he became someone who freed slaves and fought for their freedom from one end to the other. Here's the truth, guys. Grace transforms broken things. Are you totally giving up on that marriage? Are you... Are you tired of fighting that addiction? Do you not want to deal with that relationship anymore? Grace transforms broken 
things. Run to grace for healing. God will give you the healing. He disrupts brokenness today. We do pray that God would heal our bodies physically. We do pray that God would heal our land. But the truth is that sin has broken us. And though it has been defeated, it is in the process of being disrupted. So God said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have it. Bad things will happen. But God has overcome this world. So we take hope in the grace of God. And we run to him for the healing that we need. No matter what you face, when you face it with God, you can do all things through him that gives you strength. If you're a Christian, we get to lean in on the promises of God. If you're not a Christian, rewind this live video and go to that section where we talked about how you can believe in Christ and become a follower of God. Now there's one last thing that chapter 15 says, where Paul says to a broken church in a broken city, he says this, brokenness will be destroyed. We do have to deal with trouble now, but brokenness will be destroyed. There will be a day. This season will only last so long. So he says, number three, look forward to the victory ahead. I'm not particularly thrilled that I have to preach to a camera. I would much rather tonight be face to face with all the people who call Branch Life Church home, with our friends and our neighbors in Pottstown, and to be able to worship together and sing together and pray together. I don't want to talk to a camera and wave at you while you're in your living room. I'm glad that we can do at least this. But listen, this is only temporary. This is only a season, and it will pass. There is victory ahead in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this season of brokenness will last. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. Take heart that this is only temporary. There is ultimate victory ahead. God destroys brokenness in the end. In the end, God wins. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 26, one of my favorite sentences in the Bible, it says this, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. You know, there's, there's a lot of enemies that we fight, and we've already put them up on the screen. There's disunity. There's broken minds. There's broken actions. There's bad behavior. And we fight those enemies. We fight the enemy of disease. We fight the enemy of poverty. We fight those enemies. But God says there's one final enemy, and it's the worst one that will be destroyed. I mean, you think you got it bad now? You're going to die someday. You're going to face the ultimate enemy. And when, when death is actually in the picture, all of our other enemies, all of our other problems, they don't actually look that bad. But the real problem, the real thing that broke is life eternal. And when sin came into this world, death came into this world. Separation from God came into this world. And Jesus said, I have defeated death. I am disrupting death. And in the end, death will ultimately be destroyed. So, he says this at the end of chapter 15, for this perishable body, this broken body, must put on the imperishable. This mortal body, I can be killed, I, 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 can, I can be broken, must put on immortality, but there is life eternal. When the perishable, the broken, puts on the, perish, the imperishable, when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come the pass to the saying that is written, 
Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you have been reminded of the gospel and you've received the gospel and you stood in the gospel, then death is not painful. It does not sting, but death is the victory because it's the beginning of life eternal with God. New heaven, new earth, new bodies that are no longer perishable. That's the plan. Sin is broken and death is defeated. Whatever you are going through in this season, it is not the end. And even when you die, death is not the end. Everybody spends eternity somewhere. That's true in Scripture. If Jesus rose from the dead, then I've got to take what he said seriously. And Jesus talked about eternity with God in heaven, new heaven, new earth. And he talked about eternity apart from God. And brokenness and sin spends eternity apart from God in a place called hell. But when we receive the gospel, we receive new life eternal, will not perish, but have everlasting life. So, you win in the end, Christian. You win in the end when you believe in Jesus. So what do we do? How do we wrap up this entire study? We wrap it up like this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, the, that your labor is not in vain. I want to encourage you as we end this discussion regular people that regular branch life church members people that are tuning in for the first time i want to encourage you to interact in this moment we're going to have a time where we take some response discussion and you're going to need your two band-aids so hopefully one of you were the band-aid fetchers now if you just tuned in about halfway through and you said i didn't know about the band-aids you need two band-aids to participate in the close of our live stream today what I want to ask you to do is to grab these two band-aids if you have them in your hand and to get them out and to be ready to use them. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 58 says, My beloved brothers, so Christians, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. How do we respond to a broken world? Where do we go for hope and healing? What does a broken man say to a broken church in a broken city? He says, this is what you do when you've put your faith in Jesus. Number one, you get to be steadfast. Be steadfast. Don't let the brokenness of this world shake you. You have a confidence and a strength that comes from the joy of the Lord. You do not need to fall apart. You do not need to be wrapped up in anxiety. You don't have to go through the what ifs and how will. If the worst comes, you still have the gospel. You still have Jesus. So you can be steadfast. You know, the Christian, the Christian businessman whose finances fall apart when the, when the stock market tanks does not have his hope in the finances. He has his hope in the Lord. But the non-Christian businessman who does not have faith and does not have a relationship with Jesus and his business tanks when the stock market falls apart, he loses his hope because it was in the finances. And the reactions are totally different when I have faith in God versus faith in nothing or myself or this world. So Christian, be steadfast. Stand strong. 
Have the joy of the Lord. Christian, be immovable. Don't let the waves that come knock you over. Don't let the waves that come cause you to be swept out to sea, but be immovable in your faith. I've got God. So that. Now, at Branch Life Church, we say the stronger your connection to God, the farther your reach. John chapter 15. Like a branch of a tree, I want to be connected to God. I want a strong connection. And then the farther my reach and the more fruit I will bear. When I am strong in God, steadfast and immovable, then I can do God's work. I can do the work of the Lord. I can go out. I can help someone. I can love God with all my heart. I can love my neighbor as myself. Why? Because I'm not falling apart. I'm doing okay no matter what comes. So then I can go out and help other people. In this season, when the world is ravished by a pandemic, you have the opportunity not to freak out, but to show the love of Jesus to the people around you. Let's go find a way to love. Let's go do the work of the Lord. Let's check in on our elderly neighbors and family members. Let's reach out to those moms that have to rearrange their schedule. Let's offer free babysitting. Let's check in with the businessmen who are freaking out, who don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, how they're going to pay their employees in a year from now. Let's reach out to them and let them know that we care and that we're praying for them. We can donate food. We can write a check. We can walk arm in arm with someone as long as we're socially distant enough. But we do the work that God has called us to do, specifically loving our neighbor as ourselves. So we get out of ourselves and we reach in to help other people. And when you do God's work, he says, know that God's work matters. A little bit of kindness goes a long way. A little bit of generosity goes a long way. A little bit of love goes a long way. A little bit of patience goes a long way. And when you, through the fruit of the Spirit, show the love of God to other people, it goes a long way. And it's not in vain. So whatever is broken in you, whatever is broken in you, know this. It has been defeated. Brokenness is being disrupted. And brokenness will be destroyed. That's the message of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So Wherever you are, here's how you respond. I want you to think about what needs hope and healing in you. Now, if you want to respond on live, online at branchlife.church, you can tab the follow along page and you can actually fill this card out online and send it in to us. Or you can just respond in the quietness of the moment wherever you are, yourself or with your family. But I want you to think about right now as you're listening along the thing that is most broken in you. Where have you lost hope? Where are you anxious? Where are you fearful? What are you concerned about? What have you given up on? In 1 Corinthians, we learn about a lot of things that are broken. And you can go through this list. Is it your marriage? Have you lost love? Is it singleness? Is your heart broken? Is your health broken? Are you sitting there with a diagnosis that you're not sure what to do with it? Maybe your family relationships are broken. Maybe you haven't been able to worship God or you're a part of a religion where there's not much hope there. You're just traveling through the motions. Maybe you've lost faith. Maybe your city and community is broken or you're wrapped up with addiction. I don't know what it might be in you. But I want you to think about that thing that is broken for you. We are all broken. I'm broken. You're broken. This world is broken. 
So what is it that's broken? And I want you to write it out on a side sheet of paper. Maybe put it in the comments if you're brave enough. And let us know or let yourself know and actually put interaction to task. Write it down maybe in the, in the leaf of your Bible on a card that's in front of you. Pick something. Identify something. God, show me what is broken and then write it down. And whatever is broken in you, whatever you need hope for, whatever you need healing with, simply identify it. Name it. Name what that is. I want to give you just a moment to go ahead and write this down and say, God, maybe my marriage is broken. Maybe I, I'm, I'm full of worry and anxiety and it's broken. My finances are broken. Maybe my attitude is broken or, or my addiction is broken. My hope is broken. My faith is broken. And just write that down. Now, you have two Band-Aids. Here's what I want you to do, and I just want you to symbolize this and, and pray over it. Whatever you've identified as broken in you, during this next song, I want you to realize that God is greater than this brokenness. That God is bigger, that God is stronger, that he's already defeated it, he is disrupting it, and he will conquer brokenness. And while the song is being played, pray over this thing and say, God, God, I know that you are bigger than my broken marriage. God, that you can, by grace, transform broken things. You can transform me. You can transform my marriage. And God, I want to put my hope in you, and I want you to heal me. And then you literally take the Band-Aids and you put them over the brokenness. Now, as you wrap one Band-Aid over the other, if you do it right, it can take the form of a cross. And realize this, that Jesus provides for us hope and healing. Anything that is broken, he gives us hope and healing. You know, when you got hurt and you actually put the Band-Aid over your sore, and you said, all I need is, is this healing, and I, I cover my bandage, I cover my, my cut, I cover my... Uh, my hurt with this Band-Aid, I'm going to give it some time. I'm going to allow the medicine to do its work. I'm going to allow the healing to happen. And over time, when you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus is the one that offers hope, and Jesus is the one that gives healing. So during this final song, as we close our live stream together, will you interact with this? Will you write down what is broken, will you cover it with the cross and in the name of Jesus? And in a season of prayer, talk to God about your brokenness. It is where hope and healing comes from. And all along the way, if you want to interact with 